Live at Samstown Race and Sportsbook, it's Cofield and Company. I don't care. I am so cheap. If it takes a little physical exertion, then I'm going to do it. Instead of three-point shooting, you can roll defense. Like, the things that actually matter. Just do me a favor. Talk more about those Boston teams on your show. Shut up. Yep. <laughs> 100%. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. But we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah. All right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. I love Friday shows. Especially now, Vegas is opening up. Stanford Rat was on with us earlier, the former Raider. He seemed hesitant on going out. Or, or more secretive. Well, I also, Did you think yeah. I was going to be like, hey, Stanford, we're going out. Well, Meet up with us. And he, and he was kind of like tiptoeing. He's like, this guy better not ask, uh, ask me to come out. Well, no, I think it was more at the beginning because you were like, where are you staying? And he's like, uh, and then you went more general. You're like, well, you're on the south side, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm on the south side. Well, I knew where he was staying. I mean, right, but I think he, like he it, was, if I give it away, are people going to bum rush him? He wanted to answer, but he was like, uh, room 215. No. <laughs> that didn't <laughs> the room. At the Luxor. <laughs> so uh, he was uh, 50-50 on going out. You're all fired up to go out. Um, you laughed at me a couple minutes ago about the Knights game the other night that I said I, w- I was down in the dumps for a little while after they lost, and then you looked at me and you said what? You bet it. Okay, so what? And I got into it. The, you know, the crowd, I was, I was at a bar. Because uh, you had money on it. And that, that added to my disappointment. But the game, the way the game played out was disappointing. It was only disappointing because you had money on oh, it. Oh, stop. You're, you're an even-keeled journalist who I, goes out and drives around I'm, parking lots for the wow. people of Las Vegas. I actually did do that last night. <laughs> right. We'll get to that. We'll get to my parking Raiders can, parking report. Can imagine you're asking, "Where are you?" Like journalism. I'm out here driving around. Because I, I felt like we didn't have all the information yesterday, so I was like, "I'm going to get it myself." Uh, we will talk some NBA this hour. Again, if you're looking for, uh, we're going to have some hockey talk this hour. But if you're looking for the official lead up to the game, Ryan, the hockey guy, right now is on Fox Sports Las Vegas at 13:40 and 98.9 FM. So flip it over. We've got a lot of NBA, a lot of NFL this hour. So stick with us here at Samstown. Let's do it. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. John is not lying. Last night, you know, we do our late night podcast, and I uh, I saw some of the updated stories on the Raiders parking situation. We talked about it yesterday multiple times in the five o'clock hour, and I saw some things that clarified some situations. And I'm like, you know what? I want to go down around the stadium and see where all these the kind of new mystery lots are, right? So they've got a bunch of them right around the stadium, including one right across Hacienda to the north. You mentioned Hotel Galaxy, right? Well, there was, a, there was an old club there. It's not Hotel Galaxy, but there was an old club there. They, they cleared that building and that lot, right? Then they've got a bunch of other lots kind of smattered in that Valley View, Russell, Polaris, Procyon mm-hmm. area. And what I checked out I thought was pretty decent. It's not, it's not the final answer, but I think it'll do for this year. And there are a lot of parking spots within walking distance. You know, I also I drove up the strip from the stadium just to kind of 
check the mileage. You know, by the time you got to the MGM, you go across the bridge, you, you go north up to the MGM. It's around a mile, 1.1 miles. You know, on your phone, you can just drop pins and measure that yourself in like five seconds. I, I like the experience. <laughs> you can certainly walk behind. Uh, you can walk behind the Luxor. Yeah. And, you know, back there, there's tons of garages back there. I will say, if you're driving through there, my God, they added a lot of uh, speed bumps. Yeah, they did. Have you been back there? Well, I went there, so I had to go. I stopped there by the sports I'll, I'll just say real quick. There were a couple of double speed bump situations where I thought I, w- I, I lost, like, the front end. Yeah. Because I couldn't see them. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. Which is good. Because guess what? People are going to be walking through there, and they're going to have to, you know, figure out traffic. Well, maybe that's why they put them. No, I, I swung by to pick up some cache from my app, my BetMGM app. Oh, Thank you. you. Thank you, Julius Randall, for winning most improved. Um, but, yes, I did <laughs> notice that. It was, a, it was quite the experience jerking up and down. The other thing that we were talking about was rideshare. So the initial reports were that the rideshare lot would be by Valley View and Trout. So there is one of the rideshare lots back there. And again, it's about a six-tenths of a mile walk, maybe seven-tenths. It's not a bad walk, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's the north rideshare. There's a south rideshare. Is it Trout and Valley View? That's where the north one is? Yes. Okay. A little short of that. A little, little south of Trout and Valley View. Okay. Uh, there's a south location. That one is, like, right around the corner from the stadium. It's a great spot. If you drive across Polaris towards the hotel area, right, there's a couple terrible stations there. Mm-hmm. There, If you make a left on a on a street, Quail, uh, there's a big parking lot there. It was three-tenths three of a mile. It's nothing. Okay. Now, I don't know how it's going to be determined, like, hey, are you north or south? Uh, there's also going to be more rideshare drop-offs by Mandalay and Luxor. So, for now... I think it's in pretty decent shape. We'll see how it unfolds in August. But, I, you know, I wanted to come on today because we were like, oh, this could be a nightmare. I think they've done a pretty decent job. I'm not promising anything. We'll see what happens on game days. And we're going to get we're gonna get a good test of it with some events over the summer. Man, what are the room rates going to be like for those holiday inns and, like, those suites right there? Well, you know, that was something I talked about earlier is uh, in that Polaris Valley View area, there's also a lot of small businesses right. that I think will be – I think they'll be getting people to park there. There right? is. But the other thing is, you just talked about it. As you go up north on Dean Martin, there's Hotel Galaxy. I was looking there. I'm like, well, whoever owns this, there's a lot of parking here, and there's rooms. Would you They're going to make money there. There's a Motel 6. Then you go up on the corner of uh, of Dean Martin and Trop, yep. just on the east side of the 15. You know, there's kind of a co-property there, brand-new hotel. They've got a pretty big garage um, cause I, and I, I made sure to drive up and down Dean Martin. I was like, okay, where would I want to walk from? Like, what I want to, would I walk from Wild Wild West slash uh, the Days Inn, right? Would I walk to the stadium from there? Yes. How about the park? By the way, how about the parking there? So, the the whole parking thing, it's going to be a work in progress. But there's a lot of parking down there. And then, as I said earlier, June 14th is when the MGM properties will announce what they're going to do in terms of pricing with their parking, mm-hmm. which will be interesting. So. I, I thought, you know, I'll give them, without seeing everything in uh, in motion on game days, I'll, I'll give them a, a B-plus so far with what they have to work with because they did go into a very, you know, warehouse industrial area. Yeah. That's the way it is right now, and they've had to try to figure this out. And as far as we know, I was talking to Mick Akers from the RJ, who was all over this, and he said, you know, when he was asking questions about, remember those satellite lots that they were talking about, like two miles south on LV Boulevard or the Orleans, and there'd be shuttles coming in. It doesn't sound like those are going to be in play anymore. Or needed, right? That, that's the other part about it. Not so much. That, so yeah, saying that they're not in play makes it seem like something went wrong, but it just sounds like they just won't be needed. With they got all better the options. options. I was going to say with all the options that they have. Can I just say, too, by the way, 
There is a bar if you drive west of Russell. Yeah. And there is a bar on the right-hand side. They got the big painted mural on the yeah, side. Yeah. I've always wanted to go in there, but I just never have. Yeah, go in. It's pretty cool. Some, it of, the like really some, some of the best fries in town. Really? Random mention, but and uh, I didn't have the pizza last time I was there, but the pizza was very good. That's actually, I don't think it actually survived the whole makeover. That's actually a Taffer makeover place. Really? Yeah, he went in there. I'm in. I'm it's in actually, it's because it, it's a weird looking place. But, but guess what? That's another one of those places by the stadium where they're like, ooh. Hell yeah. Cha-ching. Uh, look, and the, you can't deny a lot of these little like little spots that have popped up around there. You know, I'm sure everybody's a local that's listening to this, but maybe not everybody lives on that side of town. You know, I'm always there all the time driving through for work, all that kind of stuff. You're right. There's like a lot of little businesses that are going to be very happy once this starts going on because they're set to make a, some good amount of money off of it and they deserve it right these local businesses suffered and now you get to get some of these little advantages for having an nfl stadium right near you number four we'll do it live we'll do it live i roll in video right now from sam's down thanks i don't know why we, we got a curse that we're f it we're doing it i was already clippers so trying to clippers trying to stay alive tonight i feel like the conspiracy theorists are going to be out if they win this series Max Kellerman said, uh, so instead of Lakers-Clippers conference final, we're going to get Denver-Utah instead of uh, New York-LA final. Wait, what? When was it ever a New York-LA final in play? New York. These freaking New Yorkers. Come on, Max. Maybe Utah-Milwaukee. League's got to be happy about that. Uh, There are lots of people. I'm not saying Max said this, but there are a lot of people who are like, oh, watch what happens with the officials with the Clippers. (laughs) Right. Right? You got to (laughs) know. I've gotten a note for a certain John, we were always going to be dealing with this at some point. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a changing of the guard in the league. All right? The big three combinations don't always work. The big two combinations don't always work. Those guys are getting old. The Lakers are out. The Clippers could be out. The Knicks were never a factor, so stop mentioning them. There's going to be some new teams and smaller cities that are in. Is the NBA going to be cool with it? More importantly, are fans going to be cool with it? So, look, I think – well, I know I am, and I feel like fans should be, right? What was the complaint – when we watched Cavs Warriors for the fourth consecutive year, right? Same teams. Yep. Always know who's going to win, yep. right? All the time. So now. Then you give them this. Here you go. Here is your parody. <laughs> right. Milwaukee, Utah. Bullcrap. Right. League sucks now. If Dallas wins. Wait, I thought you wanted this. Right. And if Dallas wins today, Steve, I'm telling you Dallas wins today. Who wins the West? Tell me. You have any idea? Like, you, well, I mean, I said Utah, but, you know. Right, but do you feel confident in that? Like, how confident do you I feel? Just, I don't have them as, like, an overwhelming favorite, no. Correct. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, that's where we're at. Look at look at the Eastern Conference. Let's say Embiid is fully healthy. Out of those three, Milwaukee, Philly, Brooklyn, who's going to win the Eastern Conference? Well, you know what I'm going to say. You know, well, Brooklyn. My Nets, big, of, yeah, course, of course, and the big three who just average 85 points a game. Your level of confidence? I'm actually pretty confident. Really? No, I'm lying. It's uh, it's it's not a walkover. That was a Cofield-esque really. Did you like that one? Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, a... the point is is that like, this is what makes the NFL so popular, right? This is what makes it so much fun, is if you get your team into the dance, you feel like you got a chance. And this is what the NBA is now, right? There's a legitimate path for a team like the Dallas Mavericks, a five seed, to make it to a conference finals because they have a superstar and because there is parity within that conference. I think that's a really good thing for the league. And, by the way, you still have all your stars. Each one of these teams has a legitimately good player that is worth watching, worth rooting for, all of these things, right? Devin Booker on the Suns, Donovan Mitchell on the Utah Jazz, Luka Doncic on the Dallas Mavericks, right? Trey Young on the Atlanta Hawks. Like, we can go on and on with all these guys. There's legitimately good players on all these teams. There's mystery around who's going to win, and I think it's really good for the league.
on this Kellerman thread, when he's like, oh, the league's going to be real happy about, you know, Utah-Milwaukee final, he got a rash of crap from people who were like, when are you guys in the Northeast media going to stop with everything outside of L.A. and New York and Boston sucks? Like, there are people who want to see the mid-market cities win. Right. And by the way, the NBA is not that far removed from arguably the most dominant franchise from whatever, 97 to 2017, being mid-sized market San Antonio. It worked out okay. Right. Well, I... But it's just I, I, again I these, I'm not I'm not going on an anti-media rant. I just think that we get caught. We don't, because we're in Las Vegas. But we too often get caught with like if it's not one of the gigantic markets or gigantic established names, then it sucks. And that's not the case. No, well, I was going to say we yeah we don't. It's the people in those areas that do. Right. Not worth watching unless the Knickerbockers are in town, baby. You watch all the Knicks. It's great. The league, the league has survived with the Knicks sucking. Of course they have. It's been better than ever without and the And the Knicks. playoffs are going to be fine without the, you know, overachieving 41-win, you know, Knicks team that flamed out, wimped out in their series. It'll be okay. Right. But here, you know, the other funny thing here is um, it's almost like everything is so New York-ized and, you know, somewhat L.A.-ized that you'll get a Philly with stars all over the place and a major market, and they kind of look at Philly like, uh, Philly? Like, it's a gigantic city with great basketball history. That's a bad thing now that Philly can get to the final? Let's also not act like all of your cities are just kind of one massive city within, like, 10 feet of each other. You're all the same. What do you mean? Philly, New Jersey, like, uh, what, Atlantis, all that stuff. It's all just the same people. They just live... It's all one massive city. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, South Jersey is uh, East Philly. Right. It's all the same. New York. I can see it over the rivers from Secaucus. I see New York. It's all the same thing. In New Jersey is where New Yorkers put their garbage. Number three. I'll just step back, folks. I'm sorry. I know, but I had so because, you know, I'm a a Levitard fan. Like, they were actually having a conversation on the podcast. This ties into this about, like, you should get the boroughs of New York to have teams. It'd be such a fun rivalry. Who would care about that? Like, and, like, three of them were talking that were, like, from New York or lived in New York. Like, it just goes to the mindset of New Yorkers. Like, Like, I would care about Queens versus, like, the Bronx, like an NBA game. The rivalry would be spectacular. Nobody would care. Like, oh, it's They're so stuck bad. in their own world. So, I just, I had to mention, it just hit me, but it's incredible. The level of, like, it's New York, it's the center of the world. No, it's not. Nothing like it. There's lots of places like it. It's, it's so ridiculous. Uh, I will step back because I know what's coming here. Well, sort of. LeBron James loses. He's out. No title. Don't ever mention LeBron James' name in the same breath as Michael Jordan. No, I'm not. Okay, here's the thing. No, I'm not. Here's the thing. I just think it's kind of getting old, right? Like every time something happens with LeBron, it's immediately you're never gonna be MJ. Like it just it goes straight to that. Like can we involve the conversation a little bit? But what irritates me the most is regardless of how I feel about the conversation itself and the actual center of debate of who's better, MJ or LeBron. What bothers me is. Using MJ, right, as an example to slight LeBron when you're completely wrong about things. Do you know how many people yesterday I saw on social media, Steve, actually say 
MJ wouldn't lose in the first round. He did it three times? But it's just people who are un have no idea that MJ's probably lost in the first round, right? And so we'll just throw that out there. MJ wouldn't have lost that series. And then and then when people respond with, well, actually, it happened three times. He lost in the first round quite a bit. Oh, that's when he was young. Doesn't count. Like, what, like, what are we doing? Like, that's just my whole thing is, one, the argument is tired, right? It's kind of getting old. But at the same time, it's like, if you're going to argue, just be like, just this much. I'm holding my fingers really close together. Just educate yourself this much if you're going to try to make points in an argument that you're making. That's all I'm asking because it's getting really old. More of the Big Five on the way back. We'll get into the uh, issue looking ahead. What is going to happen to the Lakers? What is next? And we'll set you up for the Avs and the Golden Knights. Your Golden Knights are hosting the evil Colorado team, trailing 2 nothing. Got to win tonight. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Number two. John, what's next for the Lakers? I mean, last night we had AD, Gasol, Kuzma. Montrez Harrell, Morris, eight points. I've seen that Dennis Schroeder said he wants to come back. But that's a story. It, you know they, what I mean? It's like, uh, okay, well, got to well, consider that. I don't know if you remember. Remember, they they offered him an $80 million contract during the regular season. He turned it down. Yep. So, so now Shan, if you're Shan, him. By the way, Shannon Sharp tweeted, if uh, Kuzma's on the Lakers next season, i got to get a new team. His IQ isn't where it needs to be in a, to be an elite player. Can't feed the post. Fouls unnecessarily. Uh, plays have got to drive the scorching out from three. I've seen enough. What is next? Well, from a construction standpoint, you're in a pretty good spot for the most part to kind of tear it down, right? Like if you look at it in the payroll, Dennis Schroeder, as you mentioned, is going to be a free agent. You would assume Montrezl Harrell's back because it's a player option. So you would, you would think that he's going to enact that because he didn't have a great year. But Wesley Matthews off the books, Alex Caruso, Jared Dudley, like all these guys, Markeith Morris, they're not going to be on the team. The only guys you have to worry about are Marcus Saul and Alfonso McKinney, and I think it's like some weird like minimum salary, money line, whatever. So, so they're in a spot where you can attract some guys and kind of rebuild this from that standpoint. I think really it falls on the front office to get the proper guys, right? You know, in the offseason, on, on paper, this looked like a pretty good team that they had put together. You needed more of a ball handler. You got Dennis Schroeder. You needed a 3 and D guy to replace Danny Green. You went and got Wes Matthews. You needed depth of the post because you lost your bail McGee and Dwight Howard. You went to get Marcus Gasol and Montrezl Harrell. But then you realize that Montrezl Harrell's a guy that the Clippers didn't want any part of and couldn't play him in the postseason. It's the reason why he was gone. Marcus Gasol's older and not as effective as before. And so, like, there's so many other things that when you look at this, this is on the front office of going and grabbing the ancillary pieces that are going to fit best with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on this team. And that's easier said than done. But I think you look at the front office, first and foremost, you go, the way you constructed this team wasn't great. And now you got to get back to the drawing board and hit it out of the park with this free agent class. Number one. Knights have to get this done tonight. 7 o'clock puck drop. I'm telling you, as the series goes along, they're going to point to the fact. I think people, maybe people in the market won't. It's funny how... We accept things from the Knights that we wouldn't not that we don't accept. We would not accept from other teams. One of the big themes of the Lakers series was, why would you just piss away Game One? Right. 
I mean, it seemed like the Knights were not ready to go in game one of the series. Mm-hmm. And now that now they're in a 2-0 position, it would, wouldn't have been great if – and listen, I'm, I said, hey, I was fine with Leonard being out there, but it did not work out. It was a bad move. Right. And the team clearly was not ready. And I'm not saying – I don't know what was going on from a mindset standpoint. My whole point is – they, you know, they may not be in a 2-0 hole if they were more prepped for game one. And I mean, we know game two, I'm not going to get on them about. It was They played a great game. They just couldn't finish. It's just they, I, don't, I can't believe they're in this position. The Avs are not that much better than them. I think they're even teams. Well, I'd say the, the phrase piss away implies that there was almost a purpose to what they did in game one. Like that was a tough spot, right? Winning game seven, then going on the road to take on Colorado, a team that the had theory, been The theory has been floated on this show that, you know, hey, Leonard's going to be out there. Let's give Flurry a rest. You know, let's make sure we're ready after this tough spot. Right. I don't – I'm not – you're right. I'm not going to say they just pissed it away. But, no, to a certain but extent it, – But, but it, didn't, it didn't look great. Right. To your point, to a certain extent, what they did was we are willing to go with the lesser goaltender this season, right? We're going to, with the lesser goaltender in the spot in game one mm-hmm. to give our main guys some rest. Now, I think, really, the issue I you have is what was the board doing when they were up 3-1 – that's when you get the rest. So then the guy who has to start game one, right, in the next series so that is goes, ready to go. That goes back to my push for Leonard in game six last series. Correct. Like, you know, you put him in a better position, not just throw him out there. And, by the way, that also ignores they kind of looked like garbage in game one. Like, we talk about them skating circles. Like, Colorado was getting past them. They were getting odd man rushes. Like, it was a really poor game all the way around, not just Leonard's fault. So I would agree with the sentiment that they needed to handle that from many perspectives better. But I'm also, like – I think we've seen a lot, in hockey especially, it's easy to turn momentum around in a series, right? You know, I made this statement earlier about home ice and everything like that. Like, yeah, you had a chance to grab home ice back. But at the same time, a really good defensive performance and a goaltender standing on his head is enough of an advantage in and of itself outside of being able to close things out at home or whatever it is. So I think really 2-0 sucks, but you have to have confidence that the way you played in game two in the way that the game of hockey works, that in the blink of an eye, this could be a 2-2 series going back to Colorado. It can be. It can be. There, every, there were so many elements of game two that should make this a realistic possibility they get back in the series. Yeah. But it all starts tonight. You got you got and I, I, I hate saying this. I know we said it yesterday about you know the, the quick starts. Obviously, they didn't get off to a quick start because of the weird goal in the last game, especially here. This – the fortress, they've got a history of coming out on friggin' fire, scoring, you know, in the first two minutes, then delivering a potential backbreaker, in, you know, a second goal in the next four minutes. Tonight, it's freaking vital. Doesn't mean they can't win if they don't get off to a good start. Of course they can win. But it would be awesome to see them come out, play like they did at the beginning of the second period in game two, tonight to start, and freaking get out to a lead and make the Avs uncomfortable. Right. I think they found them. The quick start is because that's what the Avalanche have gotten off to, right? The Avalanche, both games, have gotten off to quick starts. And that is something that has helped them in both both instances. So I think, again, like to your point, this is something where you – I mean, I think you'd like this in every game, but today specifically seems relatively important to have a goal within the first 10 minutes and a 1-0 lead. Game's coming up, 7 o'clock. You can hear the uh, full pregame right now on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas, 1340 and 98.9 FM. Ryan, the hockey guy, is leading the way over there. We uh, go back to the NBA, get you ready for the Clippers game tonight, look back on the Lakers game last night all around the NBA. Ryan Hollins, former NBA player working for ESPN, is up next. The Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 
No, I think I'm gonna play for the Toon Squad this summer instead of the Olympics. That's my focus on, on trying to beat the Monstars or the Goon Squad, we call them now. Didn't have much success versus Sun, so now I am uh, gearing my attention to the Goon Squad here in July. I'm gonna let the ankle rest for about a month and then uh, gear up with uh, Lola, Taz, Granny, Bugs, and the rest of the crew. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Samstown Race and Sportsbook. LeBron, that dude doesn't care. He's already talking about his movies. Kidding, kidding. A lot of LeBron hate today, dislike, not on this show. We're actually uh, over-the-top, kind of ridic- ridiculous defenders. I am. You've been very anti-LeBron on this show. Man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to play it down the middle because I like LeBron a lot too, but there were some, there were some things in the series that, that bothered me. Ryan Hollins played in the NBA. Been around LeBron James, like real close, uh, and now he's doing analysis basically for everyone, but we see him on ESPN a lot. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Great, guys. We are, uh, we've been dealing with, uh, we really like LeBron James, and man, the, the rash of crap he's gotten the last day or so, I mean, I guess it's to be expected, but man, it, it just seemed like it was even nastier this time around. I think the frustration has come that, you know, obviously he was healthy enough to play, but... You know, you didn't see LeBron in killer mode all game long in an elimination game. Uh, you, you can think back to the last game prior uh, where he walked off the floor, and, you know, it, that's frustrating to see. You know, you, you we won't, grew up watching Mike and watching Kobe, and LeBron is compared to those guys, you know, so in, in many's eyes better than Michael. But LeBron just did not – you didn't have a feeling like he gave you everything in that last game, and that's where the you know the frustrations come. Now there is a difference. There's the haters out there that are going, "I see, I told you he was better than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan would have beat Devin Booker," and, 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 and they're going on and on and on. But there's some people that are reasonable saying, you know, LeBron, you should have been in killer mode, you know, especially in a game like that. Now, had something Anthony Davis, he tried to play. If I was a guy in that locker room, I would I would have been excited for what I saw. But you know, it just looks like there's a lot of question marks going on in that Lakers locker room that we didn't see last year. This is not the same cohesive group that we were, you know, we were used to seeing. Those guys didn't play for each other. I'll be honest. Maybe they lose the Phoenix, but they lost as individuals, and that was frustrating to watch. Right. When, I, when you hear things like uh, one of my favorite things that I saw today that was sent to me was, we've all taken elbows in pickup games before. Why can't LeBron just sit there and stop crying every time he takes a foul? Hmm. Here's the reality. For one, you ain't taking an NBA elbow because that would take six to eight weeks for, for, for Joe Small at the gym to recover from. Um, for two, LeBron is 6'8", 275 pounds. I played with Blake Griffin. I played against LeBron. If those guys don't show the referees that they're getting fouled, they're never going to get calls. And even when they show that they're getting fouled, they don't get called because they have the ability to take so much uh, pounding and impact from the guys that they play against. So, LeBron's got to hit the floor or, or flop a little bit. I don't even want to say flop, to, just to show you how hard he's getting pushed and pressed on. You know, there's a fine balance. You just ask Shaq. Shaq was fouled every time he touched the basketball. You could have called a foul every single time, and I believe they should have. 
So I'm curious what you think, like, the future of Los Angeles is. And I don't mean that to sound like, hey, the, the window's closed. It's not. They still have AD. They still have LeBron. You know, maybe a long offseason helps them, right, after everything they went through in Orlando and having to come back so quickly and do all this. Uh, but they do have some question marks contract-wise, right? Dennis Schroeder bet on himself. They offered him $80 million. He said no, and, and now he didn't really look great down the stretch. Some of these contracts are coming off of the books. So what do you think this step is for the Lakers in terms of building this roster? What kind of pieces you want to see on it? I tell you one thing: everybody outside of LeBron and AD, and and and, and is is up for sale right now. <laughs> the deal is about to get blown up. We're gonna see a completely different team. Uh, I like what KCP did. I think he fit in well. I think he grinded. He came with it. He did his job. But everybody else is up in the air. And you know what's funny? I want to point and look at is we were so hard on Magic Johnson to say you you put you know Lance Stevenson and these guys around LeBron James. You know, what a bad job that Magic Johnson did. How great of a job was Palinka the next year, picking up Dwight Howard and, you know, JaVale McGee and Rajon Rondo and those guys. But ultimately, what did Palinka do this year? Palinka dropped the ball. You let McGee walk. You let Howard walk. You, you, you don't bring back Rondo. Now you've got no experience, no leadership, and no help for LeBron. I understand his frustrations, and you essentially let your entire young core go for LeBron and you hold on to who? Kyle Kuzma. And Kyle Kuzma's been extremely inconsistent. So it's tough to watch Julius Randle and Brandon Ingram and, and, and all these guys and Jordan Clarkson play well, and Kuzma's the guy you held over. Now, I think Kuzma's a fine player. He's still a good player, but when called upon and needed, he just wasn't there. So we had a listener ask us earlier, right, because I've been an ardent defender of LeBron. And somebody asked, essentially, you know, why do we act like LeBron is the only one who gets this? And I think there's actually a perfect example is to show, like, he is the only one that gets this. Because as, Ryan, as big of a fan I am is of Damian Lillard, if LeBron James had the career arc of Damian Lillard, two really questionable playoff losses, you know, on his career, on his mark, right, in terms of losing to this Denver squad, which is not a bad Denver squad, but really beat up in terms of the backcourt, getting annihilated by the Pelicans a couple of years ago, getting swept by Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Like, there are some questionable losses here with Damian Lillard and his resume. Like, why is it that we don't hold these other superstars to the same standards just because LeBron's a GOAT? Because if you really look at Damian Lillard's overall playoff arc, you can point and poke some holes in that kind of a resume. There's no, there's no comparison. Now, one thing I will say that at this moment, Damian Lillard is the most respected player yeah. in the NBA for the way he's played. He stepped up in clutch moments. He stuck it out in Portland. <laughs> people are riding with him. And the people, there's a lot of people that just hate LeBron. They don't like what he does. All they understand is scoring the basketball. They don't understand this guy's going to go down top three in scoring and assists in the NBA and how big that was. They just see the scoring part and you forget how well LeBron James scores the basketball. But like I said, it's about popularity. It's about respect. We can't have a debate or a conversation with an Instagram fan or a, a, a highlight fan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Damian Lillard has been more exciting. You can't take anything from Dame. I think his career is unique in its own way, the way he's improved and stuck it out in Portland. But LeBron James has, is, has just done something that no one, no one at all can touch and I'm intrigued because of his frustration of how the Lakers retool, where he goes from there, and if next year he feels like he has enough to compete for a championship. And ultimately, with, with no all you know jokes aside, no disrespect, AD is AD the guy? Is AD off limits if there's a trade out there where someone wants to get involved? 
Longtime NBA vet with us, Ryan Hollins, uh, on Twitter, at the Ryan Hollins. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Los Angeles Clippers then, uh, because anecdotally this is a fascinating series. So many storylines coming into this. Uh, but I've, I've made the argument before we get to the Clippers that sometimes, Ryan, you're just watching greatness unfold. And what Luka Doncic has done through the first five games of this series, even as much as we have talked about it, I think is almost criminally underrated how amazing he has been. To have a guy score or assist on 81% of his team's buckets in a playoff game, it's insanity. Luka Doncic has right now been the best player in the playoffs, and it's not even close. And that's with all, all due respect to Damon Lillard, Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Luka Doncic have been untouchable. Now, in terms of the Los Angeles Clippers, I'm going to tell you right now, even though they're down 3-2, I thought they found something in the fourth quarter and played decent defense, but their big lineup on Luka Doncic getting the ball out of his hands, keeping size on him, and forcing him into contested shots. I have the Clippers coming out of the Western Conference, and you're going to hear me calling it right now while they're down 3-2. On the road, I'm making that call. I think that Dallas is a horrible matchup for them. Luka Doncic is a man amongst boys. You need to, we need to start putting some real respect on his name and, and stop taking it off. But I think the matchups for the Clippers will be better in the next round. And we just got to take our hats off to Luka Doncic because ultimately they should have beat the Clippers last year, but Luka's body just could not hold up. Casey, Kristaps uh, uh, Porzingis, his body couldn't hold up. So I'm going to give the big, big nod to the Clippers guys. And you heard it first. I'm not calling it when they're up. I'm not a fair-weather guy. I'm giving you guys my take right now. Ryan, we appreciate it. A couple minutes. We know you're a busy guy. Thank you so much. Hey, man, you guys keep lighting up these airways, all right? Y'all keep it up. <laughs> don't, don't cool off now. No, no, don't hold back trying, now, We're guys. trying. We're trying. Man, Vegas heat. we got to keep it under control. <laughs> there he is, Ryan Allen. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, congrats to the winner of our VGK tickets contest this week, John Abercrombie. He wins two tickets to see the uh, round two game. Yep, that's uh, this round. Game four, VGK, that's a Sunday game. Golden Knights against the Avs at T-Mobile. He also got a Golden Knights hat and a two-foot sub from Porta Subs. Thanks to Porta Subs, this whole contest is brought to you by our fine friends over there. If you're hungry, we mean really, really hungry. Get the taste you crave with a sliced fresh two-foot classic sub from Porta Subs, home of the two-foot sub. Good job, John Abercrombie. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 1030. It's the DC and the Sunshine Man podcast with Dave Koken. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on. Big up, big up. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, so you branded me anti-LeBron today. I'm not anti-LeBron. It's just that you guys are so over-the-top, LeBron. How am I over-the-top? Uh, yeah. okay, okay, tell it, me what it, I'm be, unreasonable be, about. Beyond you, right, beyond what you said, the, the one thing I think LeBron deserves a knock on is the walking off the court stuff. Cut it out, dude. You know who you are. You're setting yourself up to just get bashed. Stay on the court. I don't care if you hugged it out in the back or gave Devin Booker a signed jersey. This was our buddy Adam Hill last night who was talking about game five, and this was his reasoning why LeBron needed to walk off the court with 549 left in game five. Come on, this is this is defending LeBron too much. So the big problem that a lot of people had is he left the sidelines last game when they were losing and they were, they were getting blown out. He left the sidelines to go start getting treatment. Now, people are like, you stay with your team until the game's over. Like, you know, you wait until the final buzzer and then you go. My thought would be you have 48 hours 
you use every god second of that 48 hours to get yourself ready for the next game. Absurd. Stop. I really like LeBron James. There's, a, But there is a, a, a point in time where you're like, you can criticize him. You can question him. Of course him. you can. Treatment? Is that why he left early last night? Treatment again? Well, no, it's not what Treatment for what, the movie? No, he left because he was frustrated. Of course. Yes. Of course. Nobody, I don't think, I'm not arguing against that. On the look ahead to the offseason of the Lakers and what they can do. I thought this was interesting. You know, we, we played Charles Barkley getting on AD. Barkley did give a dose of reality last night, what the Lakers have to do in the offseason with Anthony Davis. They're going to have to sit him down this summer and say, yo, man, is something going on with your training? You should never be hurt early in your career. From 22 to 32, you're Superman. And then, obviously, age and all the games take their toll. For him to always be hurt, he's doing something wrong. And at this stage of LeBron's career, Anthony Davis is going to have to be the best player on that team if they're ever going to be good again. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's right. And I, but, but I... Like, I don't know if this is all random. I have no idea. But he, they do have to make an effort to get him with the best people possible and figure out whatever extra level of care he needs in the offseason and even during the season. He's got to be healthy. He's missed a lot of games as a young guy over the course of his career. Yeah. He's had a lot of injuries. Of course he has. I mean, I would say, too, like, there's always I'm always interested in that t- topic of conversation, right? Like, what have I always brought up to you about my favorite baseball team? You know, the Angels, for some reason in their organization, have this issue with pitcher's elbows. Right, like the Tommy Johns and the torn UCLs in the in the Angels organization are numerous, and so is that a training thing? Is that just random luck? And the same thing with Anthony Davis. So I always wonder, like, how much just a different training staff actually helps your body in terms of preventing injury. I'm not a scientist. You look shocked. No, I was just looking back. I meant to look up this last night. I would. I just hope Charles doesn't catch himself. You know, when you you look back at Charles's career. And he's criticizing Anthony Davis in his 20s and it was early 30s. And I was just looking back. I mean, Barkley did have four seasons where he missed at least 14 games, which isn't terrible. He had, he had a bunch of seasons where he was around like 67 games at 82. Yeah. And he was pretty durable beyond that. Now, when he got older, to his point, 32, he says, was a cutoff. I mean, he played 53 games. Again, they play 82. He played 53, 68, 42, and 20 to close out his career. But, you know. He was old. And I'm also, I would say, I, I wonder if Barkley's largesse it, early in his career actually hurt him late in his career. You know, the fact that he was carrying around 270 at 6'4". Yeah. I mean, it also but, but Davis is beyond that. Davis misses. He does miss a lot of time. Well, I'd say, too, like, to be devil's advocate somewhat here, like, if you go lately, 2016, 2017, 2017, 2018, he played in 75 games in back-to-back years. He had the Pelicans year in which – Yes, he only played in 56, but the Pelicans were also tanking like crazy and not letting him play that season. He played 62 games in the shortened year, and then he had this season. Like, I, I think this injury thing, like, it sucks because it happened now. Right. But, like, I mean, he didn't have an injury issue last year, and he actually know, was arguably the best player. People also stick with the, the end of the Pelicans. Right. Run sucked. Right. But the team was very I, much I know, holding him I out. I know, I know. Remember when he wore the that's all, folks? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Nets Bucks starts tomorrow. What happens? In, in the that series. game or the series? Yeah. I want I want a pick and a number of games. Kenny Smith refused last night to, to make a pick with a with number of games. So I think it's like the, really weird. I think the Nets are going to win in seven. Uh, yeah. But I will say oh, no. there was no well, – I'm just like from a price perspective, 
like two to one on Milwaukee seems like a pretty good value like play. Like if it gets back to two to one because it was there briefly over at Circa, if it's back there, I'm in on at least taking that price. Come out to Samstown tonight, Racing Sportsbook. We'll be here for the first period and beyond, giving away prizes. Golden Knights. We don't have to sing like we did last week. The pressure is on. Got to win this game. Uh, Sunday game four. Hang out with Ari up north. Boyd Gaming, official home with Lotus Broadcasting for all the VGK playoff games. He'll be at the Aliante. Hanging out, same deal. Giving away prizes. Make sure to hang with Ari starting at 4 o'clock on Sunday. We'll see you.